I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packer Podcast. It's your host at Steedy NFL again. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Steedy NFL. Uh, follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, of a Monday, I have my buddy old pal, my partner in crime, the other co-founder of the UK Packers group, Ryan Peacock at Ryan Peacock NFL. Give him a follow as well. Ryan, how's it going? Uh, good, thanks. Much preferred that introduction to the last one you gave me, so glad you've been working on it i just want to clear it up right because i don't want people to think because I, I already have the nickname here what's my nickname here in uh, uk packer hq prime time prime time right now i don't want people to think that the prime time is because i like to you know step on people and sort of you know flashy show off that that was actually devised by ryan because you know we're the banter kings we have to have a bit of banter well yeah and and it just works it just sounds good oh yeah oh yeah and you're the bailiff if anyone wants to know because of your large stature so you know i think ryan you know eventually when we get recognized and pulled over to america to do a full-time radio show it's gonna not be the uk packer podcast it's surely gonna be like the the primetime and bailiff show or the bailiff and primetime show that's something that we, well it's gonna have to be the primetime and bailiff show because i'm primetime on, on the diva <laughs> you gotta go first yeah I have I get to, it. yeah yeah and you okay. know but then you'll go into the back room with your organizers and say here listen you should probably pay me more so although i'll be flashy coming in with the ray-bans you're probably gonna get paid more than me yeah, the, the, the quiet, the quiet guy in the background, just getting, just getting the dollars. Quiet, silent type. But um, <laughs> I think this week, what we're gonna do, and again, it's kind of a bit of a treat. It's something that the two of us wanted to do for a long time now, is release a, a sort of a history series of podcasts. Um, and we were going to make it a small five ten minute, but after consulting with some of you lovely people out there in Pack Nation, it was sort of seen that you know, if you see a five ten minute podcast, you're like, ah, what's the point in downloading it? So. What we're going to try to do over the next while is is get some Packers history for your ears, right? So we've picked, like, we're going to take you right back, right back to the very start. Now, again, the Packer purists out there are going to say, oh, know it all, and they're going to jump in and probably try correctors or jump in and say, oh, you missed this thing. So this isn't meant to be all-inclusive, is it, Ryan? Like, this is meant to be just a fun little, you know, walk back through. Let's jump into the DeLorean and go back in time. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I've, I've having uh having been to over to green bay been in in the hall of fame and been in all the things over there um you know there's a lot of stuff that we do know you know and there's a lot of things that every packers fan knows and what we've tried to do is take an era and then find something that maybe we didn't know and then share it with you guys and and, and as steve said some of you may turn around and go can't believe you didn't know that um others of you may be the same as us and didn't know so we're just going to see how it goes we're going to see how this grows and uh, uh hopefully we'll have some fun doing it yeah because i mean to start off the green bay packers and again if you're listening to this you're more than likely a packers fan if you're not you're just an nfl fan who's interested or you found us on itunes because we did great as the top nfl podcast on itunes and we have to thank everybody out there keep following keep subscribing listening and giving us reviews but i think even if you're a bears fan right now and you're listening to the podcast you know you can hardly deny that the packers probably have the best story in sports and i would say not probably i would say definitely would you agree with that ryan uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we're slightly biased, but I'm going, yeah. Because, I mean, if we look back at the history, right, Green Bay, and this is why I love it as an Irishman, and I like to wax lyrical about being Irish, right? But what I love about American football and Green Bay is is that when American football started, it was a brutal game. It was kind of like how rugby was seen when it started. People were like, what are you, people, you know, you could die, what are you doing? And it was just, if we go right back to the very start of American football, in the mix 
back in the late 1800s, right, is Little Green Bay, because there was a guy, Fred Holbert was his name, right, and he played in Beaver Dam, loved American football, mad about it, right, he went back to Green Bay, and he wanted to keep it going, wanted to play, so what Holbert did, right, he thought to himself, who is mad enough to play this insane sport? Now, like everybody who watches the sport now, if you're new to the sport, or even if you watched it from the 60s even, I mean, God, time has changed. I mean, I was talk. we have a podcast coming up uh, on Friday. It's our celebrity podcast where I kick Ryan out of the studio, unfortunately, and pull in, you know, a celebrity. And the, the celebrity we got was, was a guy called Michael Graham. And he, now he's a controversial guy, so be prepared. He does go into politics and we apologize in advance. But he was talking about nanofibers and all this stuff that you can do now with concussions. Back then, you just murdered somebody, right? So this guy, Fred Holbert, decided, I want to play NFL, but who out there is bat crazy to play this game? And who did he go for? Irishman, right? So he goes across to the bad part of town, to Green Bay's west side. He picks the sons of Irish railroad workers and says to them, lads, now the story, now they say, right, in, in folklore and Green Bay history, the story goes these guys like to fight. They're Irish, right? They love to fight. They even love to fight now. It's the old cliche. It's the old story. Us, us Irish, we drink, we fight, and that's the way it was back then. He got these guys, and they were just basically thugs, and said to them, lads, you can beat the lard out of each other, but I'll teach you some rules so you can do it on a pitch. And apparently one of the stories goes is one of the early dudes uh, on the team turned around and said, oh my God, I love American football because you can beat seven shades out of somebody and not get thrown in jail. So that's the type of guys you're dealing with. And Ryan, that's why I love the story of the Green Bay Packers because in Wisconsin and Green Bay back at the time, it was these Irish, it was these paddies who were rattled onto the field and they just ran over people. Well, yeah, I mean, your countrymen have been known for their fighting skills. So it was a good, I think it was a good uh, scouting mission, to be honest. Yeah, and I mean, that's where when Curly Lambo put the word out, because it's amazing, right? Green Bay never, almost never happened. So if you want to go back uh, to 1919, let's go a little bit further, because 1919 was when Curly Lambo set up the team. But in 1918 was when all of this stuff, stuff started to, you know, really form. Uh, Curly Lambo himself, uh, now they say Notre Dame, right? But Notre Dame, let's get it straight here. So he went to Notre Dame and uh, he was meant to be a fantastic, he was an, an athletic freak, right? Curly Lambo, for those, now I'm not going to say who, those who didn't know him because I was not there back in 1919, right? Contrary to popular belief. Um, so he was, he was he, this guy was crazy. He was an athletic freak. He was the cocky, he was, he was the original prime time. He's the guy I model myself on, right? This guy, he was the original cocky guy, good with the ladies. You know, he was all about the pomp, prime time way going on. He was a charmer, you know. And he was, he's being credited with the Green Bay's longevity in the 20s, which is the era that we're talking about, 1919 to 1930, right? He was credited with keeping the franchise going because he kind of stuck his neck out and had the, you know, cojones to go and say to people, give me money and, you know, get money for the franchise so this guy played for Notre Dame Notre Dame brilliant came back to Green Bay he was a Green Bay boy he got bad tonsillitis right now this is how the Green Bay Packers almost never started he got tonsillitis he went to his family doctor family doctor said to him Earl which was his actual name he said Earl you're not going back to Notre Dame you're going to stay here until the infection dies down because I need to whip these tonsils out so he said right fine whatever so he stayed right now again the infection had died down and the doctor could get in there and you know take body parts out uh, it turned out that it was too late for him to go back to college so he said right screw it that's fine I'll, I'll stick, stick around so he went to the Indian packing company and he went to them and got a job and he was earning $250 a month now he thought this was the be-all and end-all. So he didn't want to go back to, to Notre Dame after that. He wanted to stay in town. But 
he was an athletic freak. He was brilliant at American football. And so this was well known. So he still wanted to do something about him. So believe it or not, the Green Bay Press-Gazette was still going back then. And the sports editor was a guy, um, George Whitney Calhoun. And it just happened, right? That Again, all of this stuff with the Packers, and this is why it's brilliant. It's just a matter of stories where people bump into each other, right? Now, I apologize out there if people are sick of hearing my voice already, right? But let me just give you the rundown. So Curly and uh, George Whitney Calhoun met in the street and he w- they were just shooting the breeze and Calhoun knew about, you know, that Curly was good at uh, American football. I said to him, hey, you know, I, you know you're going to keep at it or, or what are you doing? You're going back to Notre Dame. Curly said, nah, I don't really want to go back to Notre Dame. I want to stick around earn the money here at the Indian Packing Company. So he said, hey, like, go, go to them. Go to your bosses and say to them, you know, give me money. We'll set up a team. And of course, they were interested because they're thinking, you know, the Green Bay Packers back then were the Indian Packing Company team. So they sponsored them. They gave them $500 for jerseys. And, but for in order to, for them to get players, George Whitney Calhoun said, here, I'll tell you what, I'm a sports editor, as you know, of the Green Bay Press-Gazette. I'll release sort of a little notice and get some players in. So 25 you know, thugs come in, 25 hard-ass players come in, and they joined the first team. And from then, they practiced three times a week, and such the Packers were born. Now, the Indian Packing Company themselves were to shut down halfway through the Packers' first season. So they were taken over by the Acme Packing Company. So they went from being the Indian Packers to just the Green Bay Packers from the Acme Packers. And that's why all the throwback jerseys have Acme Packers on it, which is pretty cool gear. So, Ryan, when you went over with the boys to Green Bay last year, it was throwback weekend and all the lads came back with the Acme Packers stuff, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And it's, I'll tell you what, it's very strange to sit there and watch a game, um, a game where your teams are green and gold and, and you sat there watching the blue and gold. But yeah. it's a real smart jersey and it, it looks good on the field. Um, if you know, Again, if you go into the... You know, into into the stadium, and you do the tours, then you see the uh, you know the real old jerseys, and it has to be said, and I think you touched on it, um, the, the safety of back then. I mean, these guys must have been crazy. Oh yeah. They, I mean, we we've had recently people talking about the, the the quality of the helmets and concussions and so on. You see a helmet from back then. It's it's a it's a thinnish piece of leather. Yeah. No, and it was it's, no protection, like. And it's it, yeah. You basically there was no point in wearing it. They, they didn't particularly wear anything under their under their tops. They just wore a few maybe ex, extra jerseys underneath, a couple of sweaters underneath. That was it. I mean, and those guys don't get me wrong. They're still hitting each other just as hard as they do these days. It's, it was crazy how anybody got through a game, let alone a season, is unreal. Yeah, because we have to remember as well. I mean, back then it was not a quarterback league. It was a ru- it was a running league, and in fact. I know you're going to touch on him later. Uh, George Hallis of the originally the, the Chicago Staley's, then they became the Chicago Bears in 1922. He invented the T formation. So before then, it was literally you know you, you're up at the line and you're just bashing, running into each other, right? Um, so again, like th- this Packer story, it's a fairy tale. Like it, from its beginning, from 1919 and 1920, they didn't play in what is now known as the NFL. Um, they moved into that league, and it was called the American Professional Football Association. That was created, um, you know, and moved and changed its name then to the NFL in 1922. So it was created in 1921, became the NFL in 1922. So in 1919 and 1920, uh, the Packers were kind of just playing, not kind of, they were just playing teams that were just local, small town teams. Um, and they just, they bet them up and down the field. Like their first season in 1919, they were 10 and 1. In 1920, they were 9-1-1. So they were unanimous victors. And it's brilliant. If you look at the team sheets from 1919 and 1920, 
and this is why I love the Irish angle, right? So I'm biased, uh, but I'll admit it, right? L- listen to the team sheet, and I'm only going to call out the lads who sound Irish to me. Jim Coffeen, Dutch Dwyer, Riggy Dwyer, Jen Gallagher. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. Like, even um, Wally Lad- uh, Ladro, or uh, Ladro, as you call him over here, Wes Leeper, Andy Muldoon, you know, Orla Wiley McLean, Sam Powers, you know, it sounds like you could go into County Meath in Ireland now, pick out, you know, the team of second-class students, and you're going to get the same names that were on the 1919 and 1920 Packers team. So they did a phenomenal 1919-1920. They joined the, you know, what is to become the NFL, um, and they weren't to get a winning season till you know, 1929, but then they did the treble. So they did 1929, 1930, and 1931. And Curly Lambeau at that stage was the head coach. And again, don't get it, you know, don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted here. Like Curly Lambeau at that stage, although it was seen, you know, people looked at pro sports back then not the same as they do now, not with that adoration. They kind of scoffed at it and thought it was an embarrassment. But by the time it reached, you know, the late 20s, people were really starting to take it seriously. And Curly Lambeau, like, you know, he was a big figure. He was going into nightclubs and all this type of stuff. And people are like, oh, the world famous world head coach of the Green Bay Packers. So he became a big deal. And I'll finish up the sort of overall roundup and we'll get into some of the nuts and bolts of it a bit, but try not to bore people either. That, um, you know, Green, Green Bay football is a big deal. If you look at all the teams that were playing back then, there were nobodies. None of them are around anymore. The Green Bay Packers are the only small town team left as time went on and as money became tight and as the Great Depression kicked in, all these teams just disintegrated, right? If you look at some of the teams that they played from the very start, you have the Menominee North End AC. You have New London. You have Sheboygan Company, uh, Racine. You know, like Oshkosh Professionals, Chicago Chiller AC. Like, the, you know, they don't exist anymore. And the Green Bay Packers were little minnows like that. The Mil- Milwaukee Lapham AC. It sounds like something that you're reading off a team sheet, you know, and four-tier English football, you know, like Scunthorpe United and, you know, Whereversville, Kentucky, you know, it's just, there are nobodies, but Green Bay Packer football is so important and it was saved so many times by the local vendors around Green Bay, giving the team money to keep them afloat because... Ryan, you were in Green Bay, like how much is there to do in the in the little town of Green Bay? Is there is there much going on? Well, there, there are certainly different things going on. There's probably a hell of a lot more today than there was, you know, back then. Yeah. Um, I mean, they do say it's it's a town that's completely in its, its in existence because of its football team. Um, there's a you can almost you, you can imagine how that must have been back then, um, as that thing grew, and maybe maybe not in so much in the twenties, but further on. Um, I mean, these days, you know, there's the there's the basketball team, there's the blizzard, uh, there's, you know, the college teams that are, are near and about, the high yeah. school football's big. Um, I think there's even a zoo down in Green Bay, not that I found it, but um, there's lots and lots of stuff there now, but it's still very much the only thing of great importance is still the football team. Because the whole town basically goes asleep, and what they say is is that everyone moves in game day and move back out. But the important thing, and let's let's bring it back then to the old times of the flat cap in the 1920s. Back then, this was so important to people, and the reason was, and if you go back, right, and do this if you're listening to the podcast, go back and search 1920s Packers in, under Google Pics or whatever, and you'll find the audience. So they had bleachers at the old stadium. 
uh, the Hagemeister Stadium, and they were very uncomfortable. But this was the main event. This was like the matinee. It was like the theater. People went down. So you'd sit down on these bleachers, and they were really uncomfortable. Uh, you know, Ron, you were over in Green Bay. It's a cold place. So the, the women would have their stoles on and their big fluffy hats. And at halftime, you'd be freezing, right? Now, I've went to Leinster rugby games here in Ireland. And again, it's the same sort of, it's a similar season. They run the season over the winter, which is crazy. So I was sitting there and you'd have people at the Leinster rugby games bringing duvets and hot water bottles and hot whiskey. People would be half drunk going home. So that's the same way as it was back in 1920s. It's similar to the way it is now. You know, it's very, very cold. You know, you don't see many pictures of people with their tops off in Green Bay with go pack go on them. Now you do see them, right? But they're usually overweight because they can handle it. So, you know, that's the way it was back then. So it was a big deal for people. This was a big social event and this is why the Packers were so important to people they were the best dressed people in town you'd go down and the women would be in all their finery the men would be dressed up in their suits and their top hats and at half time it was a normal practice for people and it's a great image that at half time teams would you know take a break and everyone would get up off their seats and they'd walk around the field. You know, they'd do laps around the field, walking and talking. So you can imagine, you know, Mary Jo, she wanted to get, get dressed in her finest clothes because, you know, everyone was going to see her. Some people might have stayed seating. Some people were walking around, you mingle. So you would not want to be caught dead in last week's stole. You know what I mean? You want to be wearing the freshest kind of stuff. And that's why it was so important for people to have this. But I think, Ryan, the, the overriding thing about this whole story from the 1920s for me, and I'll finish up the sort of recap now, is that Green Bay are a small town team and they're owned by the people. They're owned by the community, right? And why that's so amazing and it's so important is, is because it's the, like what happened, and again, I'm going to bring it back to Leinster Rugby, or like anything, right? Like Man United or whoever, right? Is that there's no way the Packers would be still playing today if they hadn't stood up to the big boys back then and all through history and made a good stab at it. Who wants to support a team that are poor or, or losing or whatever, especially in a place as cold as Green Bay? So you had a team who was a tiny team, David and Goliath story. And David was to stand up to the Goliath and play good football. I mean, Green Bay, if you look at it, they've got the most uh, NFL championships. They have the second most uh, pro football uh, Hall of Famers in the NFL, but with being a small team. They've, they're the only team to win the treble. So they've won championships in 1929, 1930, 1931. And then they did it again in the 60s with Vince Lombardi. If the Packers hadn't been pulling their weight, which was incredible for such a small team, they wouldn't be alive today. Absolutely. Um, I think you should go uh, saying as well, when you're looking at some of those players going back, in the 1920s all-decade team, we had five, well, there was five members of that team that had played for Green Baver in the 20s or just after that made that team. Yeah. Um, names as, you know, that some of these you, you'll have heard of, Cal Hubbard, uh, Laverne Dilwick, uh, Walt Keyes, Mike Mikowski, and then obviously Earl Curly Lambeau. You know, that's, that's the all-decade team. Um, and then there's five guys there associated with the Packers, and that was in their early days. Yeah. I like say this small town team. So it's quite impressive. The the early twenties as well for the Packers, and we sort of, you know, we do a quick sort of run through the years, but I mean the early days for the Packers, nineteen nineteen to nineteen twenty, they just waxed everybody in Wisconsin and Upper Michigan. But then when they got into the NFL, you know, the standard did take the jump because that's what the Packers decided to do. And that was a that was an ambition of Curly Lambeau was like you say, to have those all star players. And you can only raise to that level if you're playing in the big leagues and that's exactly what they did and what Ryan about that period for you kind of stands out and what what sort of fun little stuff did you uncover 
because we've been Packers fans and you know we like to think that we're we're terribly knowledgeable but you learn something new every day I mean what is it about that era that sort of excites you yeah sure and I mean I'll, I'll be wholly honest here I mean I know obviously from when I started watching it during the Brett Favre years to the modern day stuff obviously we all look at the 60s stuff because it's the Lombardi years but actually in all honesty I did I didn't know a great a great amount about this time and, and had to sort of look into stuff um Certainly some of the things that, that caught my eye when I was looking through it, some of those players' names which you mentioned, obviously you touched on some of maybe the Irish-sounding names. Yeah. Some of the ones I love are some of these nicknames where you've got uh, Lyle Cowboy Wheeler, <laughs> um, Howard Cub Buck. Yeah. You know, I, just, I think anybody that gets that nickname in the middle, but my favourite here, and I, and I have to say I think I'd have been drinking a beer with this guy, is Henry Tubby Barrow. <laughs> I mean... And this guy just, just, just I, I, and I, again, I couldn't find a great deal on him, but uh, he sounds like a guy I liked. <laughs> yeah, and uh, what did he get that nickname, Ryan, because he was Tubby, or is that a stupid question? Uh, I, well, this is the thing, I really couldn't find out. I'm guessing he was a big guy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, big sex is always good. And you know so. what's funny? Like, I, I was doing a bit of research as well for the pod, and I was looking at, you know, various articles around the place, and one of them was someone, right, a few years ago, uh, did a where are they now piece for the 1919 Packers and I mean anybody could have said dead they're all really really dead now like why are you doing where are they now and of course everybody I think the the last one to die was back in 1974 or something but I mean you're, come on dude like you're 30 35 years too late you know yeah that's, that's uh, that almost seemed like a wasted task yeah it was fun but, to uh, sort of find out though i mean what what else about the 1920s then ryan that did, did you like about well, the whole thing firstly before before i get on to the, the, the favorite bit that i found and one of maybe the more surprising stories that I, I came across um i think we should apologize to the people of scumfork who you said i think you referred to the team as almost a, was it an irrelevant was it i'll say you said irrelevant yeah i went team. irrelevant yeah now i'm sorry i've a complete ignorance to like it's the okay. old premier it's league okay. right where are scorenthorpe are they something like second division or something I'd, no, I think they are down there, but it's you know it's the fact that you singled that team out, it, you know, specifically. So I think I think our Scunthorpe followers. Like, <laughs> okay, I'm know, sorry to that one Scunthorpe follower that I insulted, but if he doesn't <laughs> know his team are poor now at this stage, I mean, come on. Yeah, he's pretty, he's probably just nodding along. <laughs> Saying, so, God, this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does this guy know? I don't know. My team sucks. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if you do suck. I don't really follow you. Um, yeah, one of the stories we found um, actually has a lot to do with the Bears. Yeah. Um, and I didn't think I'd be doing a Packers podcast and actually talking about the Bears, but um, I came across a part in where, it, it, or a story, I should say, and it said that George Hallis originally, in I think the 1921 season, mm. um, reported the Packers to the league for playing ineligible players. Yeah, that's brilliant. And I'm thinking, well, hang on, you know, what... You know what's going on there that's obviously where the the rivalry starts and so on so i start to look into that a little bit more and actually i find out that he then even though he reported us that season coming into the 1922 season it's actually george harris himself who had originally reported us that then decides no green bay need to be in the league it's important for the town important for the city the people so on um, and important for the game of football and he then actively campaigns to have us uh, to have Green Bay allowed back into the league and to continue playing football. Mm. So, I guess, yeah, from one point of view, obviously he's been a grass and he's told on us. But then, obviously, he then campaigns to have us back. It should be noted as well, according to the the, the article I came across, and it's actually in the Chicago Tribune, mm. is that um, 
even though they then campaigned for us to come back into the league, they then actually went and signed one of the players that was a, you know, ineligible for the backers. So I'm not sure still where I sit on that. But actually then that starts off this whole story where where actually George House is quite involved in what goes on in Green Bay um, right up until uh, the, the, almost the 50s. And, yeah. you know, so I know we're talking 20s at the minute, but that's sort of where it starts. Um, so much so that at one point there must be a great respect between the two. And, and, it, and the article does go on to say about how... Um, the teams obviously always competed really hard on game day, and Hallis himself, when in his coaching role, would you know scream at any Green Bay players and shout and 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 try and intimidate any players that came near his sideline. Yeah. But actually, for the rest of the time during the year, when it wasn't game day, that there was actually this great respect between the two. Yeah. Um, at one point, the Great Depression in America had. Um, Hallis and the Bears really struggling for money to, to to basically pay the players, and it was Green Bay Packers who lent them money. So that was that was further on into in, into the thirties, but they actually gave them a fifteen hundred dollar loan, which obviously back then is a huge amount of money, and they gave that to Hallis and the Bears mm. so they could continue playing football themselves. And this sort of thing continued where they all looked after each other, and actually. As I read onto it, and maybe we'll touch on this sort of when we do some of the other episodes going on. Um, Hallis was actually uh, consulted, if you like, for uh, a point where Green Bay were without a head coach. He was he was consulted by the Green Bay president at the time, and it was actually Hallis who said to take a look at Vince Lombardi, according to this article. Yeah. So, I mean, if these things. I'm guessing these things are true because, like I say, this is on the Chicago Tribune website. If you just search, you know, the, uh, George Hallis and, and, and the Packers, this stuff comes up. But but what a strange story, you know. This is our biggest rival at the moment. It's been our biggest rival for years and years and years. They originally reported us to the league, potentially getting us thrown out. He then campaigns to have us put back into the league. We lend the, the Bears money. You know, he campaigns on our behalf recommends Vince Lombardi and there's also a bit that says when the league were thinking about taking the team out of Green Bay because it only had a tiny stadium in the old city stadium um, and essentially it wasn't making enough money for the league again it was Hallas that came to the rescue of the Packers and, 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 and joined in with the petitioning of you know keep the team there let's build a new stadium in Green Bay the, the team needs the, the Green Bay and Green Bay needs the team so it's strange that two absolute rivals have actually been had a history where they've both been linked in each other's success. Yeah, it is crazy. And that's something that really stands out about this period. It's funny, isn't it? It's almost like George Hallis was and, and Green Bay needed each other to keep the fire going. You know, they were kind of, it's like that thing of like, oh, well, I could have knocked you out of the race, but I kind of want you in it because I like beating you, you know? Because yeah. if we look at it, it was very one-sided, Ryan, at the start. I mean, the Bears were waxing the Packers all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of the things it made me it made me think of in particular, and it's maybe not so much that they helped each other, but certainly it makes me wonder if it was something to do with. Obviously, our Scottish followers will know that recently Rangers had dropped down the Scottish football leagues and gone down to the lower divisions there. Yeah. Um, and obviously, for Celtic and Rangers, there's always been this massive rivalry similar to Green Bay and 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 the Bears. But obviously, when one of them left that league then the interest in Scottish football dwindled from, from everyone else's point of view because there wasn't that there. 
and it almost makes you wonder if they realise that for each of them to be successful and have have the draw. And bear in mind, you said obviously back then American football wasn't always taken so seriously. It makes you wonder if they realised very early on that they needed that. They needed to be there competing against each other. They needed that rivalry to have the interest, and it was in both teams' interests for them to both continue. Yeah, because let me hit you with some like sort of little uh, funny anecdotes about that, because there's, there's so much history about George Hallas, the Bears, which were the Chicago Staley's from 1921, then became the Bears in 22. And funny, actually, they became the Bears because they admired the baseball team, the Cubs. So, you know, Bear Cubs, they became the Bears in sort of a, I think that mm-hmm. was fun, right? But the funny thing about the whole uh, ineligible player thing, the Packers did lose their franchise. So in 1921, it was taken off them. And it was only that Curly Lambeau uh, went back then in uh, later on in that year in 1922 and said, please, you know, he wanted his own franchise. They said no. Uh, they said to him, you're going to have to come back with $1,000. So he came back with 250 and $50 of that was his own money because apparently he sold his car and he got the other 200 as a loan, went back and bought back the team. And that's how he became the actual owner of the Packers for a time. Now, they'd struggle in 1923. Um, or sorry 1922 because they were seventh place in the NFL you know and it was sort of after you know really bad weather and really poor attendance because no one wants to go see a losing team that you know all the people in town did whip round all the business owners they raised two and a half grand and they kept the team going for for another while but funny about the Hallis story right as I sort of said before no one took the NFL seriously back then I mean even the whole controversy remember Super Bowl 1 AFC NFC went against each other for the first time um, sure. you know and they don't have full footage of that game because they taped over it with something else and if you look at the sidelines like that's the problem that they had even in the 60s was the fact that you know uh, people weren't going to the games they didn't care you know they didn't see the Super Bowl as one as a big deal they were like yeah whatever so they couldn't they couldn't film it from every angle because they'd see loads of empty seats and that was bad for telly so back then like you can imagine this was 40 years before that no one cared so if this game that was played in Milwaukee that is the game that you're talking about where the Packers played it was actually who they played was a, a player called Anderson and the pro- the story yeah, goes Anderson. yeah so Hallis wanted Anderson uh, and he was annoyed that uh, Curly Lambeau played him and Anderson was actually he played with Lambeau the issue was they played ineligible players and what it was is that these two players were active and Notre Dame players. So they took them, they played them for the Packers. Now I wouldn't mind, the Packers got waxed that game. Like it was 0-20, I think they lost. Um, so it didn't really matter, but it was funny. The college players for the Bears, right? The ineligible college players for the Bears recognized the ineligible college players for the Packers and said to Hallis, hey, they're playing college players as well. So he went, all right. So... The, the Chicago Tribune guys and all that the guys you're talking about in Chicago, they did not care to go to uh, you know um, Lam- to go to Milwaukee and watch this game. They they they're they kind of slagging off the pros, so they had no interest. So the story went that there was a reporter there. He spotted them and all that. That's not true. What actually happened was, according to folklore. The college players from the Bears spotted the college players from the Packers, told George Hallis. George Hallis said, well, I want to get these lads gone. He thought if he kicked the Packers out of the league they'd have to disband their team obviously they wouldn't have any players so then he would get anderson for his team which as you said happened so he got the packers kicked out he stole their player you know it's such dirty dealing and do you know what and this is another one and i don't know you know where the ear of people here but i think this is really interesting 
Like, George Hallis himself was an absolute dirty trickster, and it all comes down to the 1921, the inaugural season, the, t- the number one season of the NFL, which, again, wasn't the NFL back at the time. And it's called a Staley Swindle. Have you heard about this, Ryan? Uh, no, go on, Tim. Scandalous, right? Buffalo, the team in Buffalo, right? They're the Buffalo All-Americans. They'd won the APFA Championship, as it was called, right? They were first place, and the Chicago Staley's uh, were in second place. So the season ended in December. So Hallis turned around and said uh, to the head coach of the Buffalo All-Americans, said, hey, you know, why don't we, you know, play a game? Because they'd already played them that season. But the Buffalo All-Americans, based in New York, decided we're not traveling for a game. All of our games are going to be home games and tough. So they played all their games at home. The Chicago Staley's decided to do the same. So George Hallis turned around and said to the All-Americans owner, Frank McNeil, or Frank McNeil, he said to him, you know, like, how, do you want to play again? And he was like, yeah, you know, we'll do some post-season games if you want. He said, yeah, we'll do some post-season. So the season, according to the Buffalo All-Americans, had ended. But they agreed to, you know, play the Chicago Staley's, you know, in December and they said, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll play you again. Sort of, a, sort of an end-of-season hoopla. So they played their last game and won, the Buffalo guys, All-Americans. And they jumped on a train and they were to play the, you know, the Staley's the next day, right? Now, as you can tell, they're knackered. They're in no mood to play the Staley's whatsoever. They get down, they play the Staley's, they lose 10-7. So then they play another game um, and whatever happens in that game, right? But Hallis turns around and says to the other owners of the league, the season wasn't over. That wasn't a postseason game. We were after beating the All-Americans, so we're champions. And the guys in Buffalo, right? Uh, McNeil had come out and already bought uh, all of his, like, you know, they're basically Super Bowl rings. He bought little gold footballs to give the players. So he yeah. bought all of them. He was convinced, oh, I've won the game. I, and he came out in the Buffalo media before he even played the postseason games to say, hey, we're playing some postseason games, right? So Hallis had convinced all of the league, no, 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 no that, that counted. He managed to convince the people and owners of the league to say that this is a new rule that he invented, right? He said, if you play somebody and then you play somebody again, the most recent result that you play them in counts more than the first result. And they went, yeah, that sounds reasonable. So then they said, there you go, Chicago, you have the title. So they gave the title to George Hallis and apparently till his deathbed, the head coach of the Buffalo All-Americans was still trying to get the now NFL to overturn that verdict, but wasn't successful. So the first season of the NFL, which was, you know, the APFA back then, was won by the Staley's with this swindle, this dirty trick that George Hallis pulled. And, you know, that's the guy that George Hallis was. Isn't it crazy? Do you know what I think it was good there is that I've done my bit to try and try and create some friendship between the two franchises and, and you brilliantly there have put it back to just pure <laughs> hatred for me. So I was starting to feel like, oh, this guy maybe wasn't a bad guy. And that's what I was trying to get the listeners to think, oh, you know, maybe it wasn't all bad, you know. But actually, no, still hatred. But he tried it again. <laughs> he tried it again. He did it a few well, seasons it, later. It, and it the, works once, then do it. <laughs> oh, that's it. And you know what? The, the owners turned around and said, no, not having it this time after... You know, the poor coach from the Buffalo All-Americans. My God. Poor McNeil. He went to his death, uh, deathbed uh, trying to overturn it. Couldn't do it. I mean, the 1920s, what a crazy time for football. I mean, it was so amateur, so far away from the rules that we know now. Do you think there was a lot of sort of uh, brown packages with money in them, that sort of thing going on? Oh, you know, they couldn't even fill the stadiums. But another fun fact, just when you were saying about, you know, the sort of Bears-Packers rivalry and 
uh, you know, the Bears sort of propping up the Packers coming to town. And when they moved to their new stadium, so they closed the uh, Hagmeister Stadium and they moved to their new one, uh, the capacity of that stadium was only 3,000. But when the Bears came to town, they, they did a, a crowd talk. There was 4,300 people in a 3,000-seater stadium because they hated the Bears. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> and so do they today. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Even back to the times of the Bellevue Stadium when it opened to today, the Bears still suck. And the problem is, is the Bears still lead the series in overall wins. We were going to catch up on them last season, but then we lost on the Thanksgiving game. Uh, you know, Brett Favre's sort of jersey retirement. So we were going to draw level, but because they bet us then, we dropped two behind instead of one behind. So again, this upcoming season, uh, we're hoping to at least draw level with the Bears. How sick is that? It would, yeah, I mean, that's going to be amazing. It's, it's such a long such a long rivalry and such a long series. And, uh, yeah, obviously we can't ever be truly happy until we're in front. No, absolutely not. And a fun thing that sort of struck me from the 1920s as well is what I like to look at is I was interested, I mean, who scored the first touchdown? Who kicked the first field goal? Who, you know, did all of this? And you're not going to be surprised to know that Curly Lambeau had his hand in all of them. Just so, about everything, yeah. Uh, everything. Like it, they, so they won their first game in 1921. Uh, the year of the Staley swindle but they only ended up sixth place but again the first forward pass in Packers history and it fell incomplete to one of your boys right Lyle Cowboy Wheeler uh, it, fell, it was meant for him fell incomplete and again Curly Lambeau came off his hand so he threw it uh, Buff Wag- Wagner or Wagner if you want to be a purist uh, he had the first reception for 18 yards and again it was a pass from Curly Lambeau um, and it was a fullback Art um, Schmackle is his name uh, sorry, Art, if you're listening, if I crucified your name there. He got the first Packers touchdown. It was a four-yard run. And again, um, Lambeau then converted that. And it was cool, right? So the extra point that he scored wasn't on a tee, someone holding it. It was a drop kick. How brilliant is that as well? Like, That's awesome. Yeah. You, you, that's really gone from the game now. Who's the last? I've got one for you. Who was the last guy to uh, score a successful drop kick? Uh, if I'm right, it's Doug Flutie. Oh, New England I Patriots. I, had you. I think that was his last um, play in the NFL for the New England Patriots. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but you know what? It's incredibly hard to do because back in the day, back in the 1920s, the ball that they used was much fatter. It was more like a rugby ball that they have now, so it was far easier to drop kick. Whereas now in the NFL, with how pointy the ball is and how it's changed, it's nearly impossible. Once that spike hits the ground, the ball is very unpredictable, which we can see from you know uh, kickoffs and all that kind of stuff. The ball goes everywhere. You know what? You have to see when when you get over there this year and get into the into the Packers Museum look at the old kicking boots yeah you know I, I know obviously we're massive fans here of Jerry Kramer Jerry Kramer is someone that obviously used to do a lot of kicking yeah. during his time but the old kicking boots literally have a flat end for, for toe punt in the ball yeah and I hate to think what it's like to kick in that style but I mean the boots look unreal they must have been so uncomfortable Oh, yeah. And even the way, if you look back at all footage of Kramer, and again, he was the leading point scorer, I think, back in, uh, I think it was maybe 1964, because he was the kicker. But it's such an awkward way that they go about kicking the ball. And again, here, here's one for you, Ryan, then. Who do you think made the first field goal for the Packers uh, back first in 1921? First ever field goal. I've got a list of players in front of me, but I have no idea who the uh, kicker is. 
if you were to pick one player that you think had his hand I'm going to go Lambo. You're dead right. <laughs> like early Lambo, <laughs> the first field goal. And again, they got bet in that game 13-3 by, you know, the fantastic team still alive today, the Rock Island Independence. They got bet by the Rock Island Independence. <laughs> uh, you know, long are they, you know, lament that they're gone. Uh, they bet the Packers 13-3. But yeah, Curly Lambo, first field, it was the first field goal attempt and it was they made the first field goal, which again I think Ryan from air, you know, we go over and uh, watch the Super Bowl, and we usually hook up with the the Kansas City Chiefs fan group, and uh, you kicked the last field goal in that game to win the game. How did that go, Ryan? Well, I should just set set the scene. <laughs> you know, when someone starts setting scenes, it didn't go too well. <laughs> it was a very windy day. There was a horrible crosswind. It was swirling all around. It was at least two um, miles per hour. I agree. Yeah, my, it was, my it was hair a was mildly put about, <laughs> What twenty yards? Uh, well, I, if even. The snap was good. The hold was good. The <laughs> kick was up good, and then it just 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 went away. Left. That's so. something people have to get involved in. If you listen to the podcast, this is, you know, now this has been like three years, and you're still not letting it lie. No, of course not. Because you know what? I fancy myself as kind of, you know, I play five side every Wednesday. Um, I leave the, the missus and the baby at home. I put on the, you know, the, the whole kit, head out and play myself some five aside. And the goals I remember forever. And I, I thought I had a good shot at that, but the big man stepped up. I wouldn't stand in the way to bailiff anyway. And it just, I saw, when I saw it in slow motion, you know, going slightly off right to the up. You know, we didn't have posts, so the uh, the guy standing there with his arms in the air, you know, doesn't sound as dramatic and sexy. It went just slightly right of his index finger, and it was gone. And we've drawn, we've drawn every game, haven't we, against the Kansas City Chiefs, which is kind of very un-American, maybe. Yeah, we've um, yeah, we've tied every game. I mean, because how we do it generally is we have a set amount of play, uh, drives each. So rather than do it on, because I mean, we don't know what the time is. No one's keeping time. There's no referees. So it's just done on a set amount of uh, drives each. And yes, yeah, somehow I think we've managed to draw draw every time we've played them. Yeah. So. No, it's good. It's, um, yeah, it's very British. You know, we, we play till the sun goes down, till there's no light really anymore. And then we go off. And again, don't make the mistake of not bringing a change of clothes, for God's sake. I went and I brought a, a select number of stuff and realized that I was playing in the jersey I wanted to wear that night you know and just covered in muck i looked like a 1920s packer because i was just covered in, from head to toe in muck uh but god it's great crack altogether like yeah well i have to say have you got anything else you want to add i mean i, th- I think we've given it a good run on the 20s yeah giving it a good run um really the only thing to to look at is, is that the, the packers started to really cr- you know crush it as they got later on in that decades so i mean the early times they were kind of getting bet certainly getting trounced by the bears but once they started hitting you know the 1927 season they came in second that year and it seemed like only a matter of time before they were going to dominate they dropped down to fourth um, in 1928 but again there were world champions then in 1929 and it was all up in lights and they did the same then 1930 and 1931 they wouldn't do it again and i think that's why you know go back and look at it's on youtube you know the ice bowl with Vince Lombardi and the main quote that you find from uh, the great Vince is, is that he says this quote that always stands out in my mind this year we're going to repeat and that's what he keeps saying and he was chasing Curly Lambeau's record uh, from back in the late 20s so it was an era and again sort of to I think to cap it off Ryan is to just tell the story really about how the Packers became to be community owned because I think where we kind of left it was that Curly Lambeau had went after they got disqualified for using ineligible players and bought back the franchise and 
Uh, back in 1922, as I sort of said earlier in the pod, bad weather, low attendance, uh, loads of shopkeepers and all that came together. And they said the best way for us to move forward, and this is where the, the you know this is where people sort of say is, is the birthday of the Packers was back in 1922 as such because um, they raised two and a half grand and they became a public non-profit company. And A.B. Turnbull became their first president, uh, which is the post uh, that Mark Murphy holds today. Um, and it was the year after that then that they still needed more money. And it was in 1923 that they started doing the whole whip round for shares. Because do you know that before that, what they used to do was they used to have a hat. And they'd send the hat around the crowd like buskers. And people would put money in the hat, right? And uh, so then they said, you know, that's not sustainable. We're a public non-profit company now. So in 1923, we had the very first public uh, stock selling. There were f- you could buy one for $5 each. And believe- get this right. How long is the list... Uh, the waiting list for a season ticket for the Packers, were you told when you went to Green Bay? Um, I think I looked into getting on it and they said in just 36 years time only 36? You could be eligible for a season ticket in 36 years time I would be 67 (laughs) Um, so yeah, I'll be honest with you I didn't bother no, because people will them to their kids. Like, they, you know, they're a big commodity. But get this, back in 1923, when they did that first stock sale, right, for $5 each, then they said to you, you're not going to get a dividend. This is just what, free money to us, right? It was compulsory that you had to also buy six season tickets. I oh, mean, you can, you, oh, can you imagine? <laughs> like gold dust now. And I wonder, is there anybody you know out there now whose family was involved way back when who bought the first from back then yeah can you imagine or having that sort of share a piece of paper because ultimately like i've heard people say that piece of paper is worthless or priceless depending on how you look at it and certainly from pack nation that would be a priceless piece of merch oh absolutely i think yeah somehow if they if they do another one then uh somehow we have to get our names on it yeah, apparently you have to be. Now, anybody out there, correct us if we're wrong. Hit us up on our Twitter account, at UK Packers. You have to be an American. Yeah, you have to be an American, so you have to get some of the bite on your behalf. But we're going to be going over to Green Bay um, for the Cowboys game and the Bears game. Some lads are staying on. Some lads are also catching the Badgers game. we have some really exciting news about the stuff that we're going to be doing over there. Players we're going to meet and people, really famous people in the organization. So again, if you want the information, just go to our website, www.ukpackers.co.uk um, and check it out and get involved. Subscribe to our newsletter and we'll send you out all the information. But again, we're friendly people. Me and Ryan run the Twitter account after setting up everything. So we set up the Twitter, Facebook, hit us up on Facebook, send us a message. We always get back straight away. Hit us an email at ukpackers.live.co.uk. We'll get back to you there. We're all just about bringing Packers fans together. Um, but I think that's all for today's podcast. Hopefully you all enjoyed it. The next podcast, as I said, is with he kind of he's a shock jock um, from the States. Michael Graham is his name. Uh, he's digital director now uh, for The Washington Post um, over in Washington, D.C. Uh, he's a fun guy. Again, you won't agree with most of the stuff he says. He has this. Ryan, you've listened to it, right? Doesn't he really pipe up about uh, the Packers and how we suck and all this type of stuff and there's some great banter on there and he, he veers off into politics because that's that's his background as politics uh, but again he, the guy had seven radio gigs in seven years and got fired from every one of them uh, I think and the problem is he's, he's, he, 
he is how he is because he's a Patriots fan. And we all know <laughs> what we think of the Patriots. Cheaters. So yeah. it's it's some good banter. And again, uh, listen to it. Uh, it's going to be out on Friday, but listen to it at your own peril. Again, we try, we try to defend the Packers and to defend... We even have to defend women's basketball, right? Uh, but again, the guy is good fun um, and he's really out there. So it's a, it's a fun insight into how American spo- sports culture is coming up. Um, but again, uh, from myself and Ryan uh, of the UK Packers, at Stevie NFL on Twitter and at Ryan Peacock NFL, follow the group at UK Packers. That's all from us. Uh, thanks and goodbye. Thank you very much. Hey, everybody. It's Steve and Ryan here from the UK Packers, and we have some cool competition and shop news for you. Yeah, okay. Get onto our website now, and you'll find the links on there for the NFL Shop Europe. They've got much bigger range this year. More jerseys, more T-shirts, more hats, more everything. Um, and for all teams, go via our link and you get 10% automatically taken off at the till. Um, even on some of your cheaper products, that essentially gives you free postage. If you're buying a jersey that's maybe $90, uh, sorry, £90, pounds, that's nearly £10 off it. So it's well worth doing it. Get on there. And, and, and really check it out and give it a go. And let me jump in there as well. Make sure that the link is the link is definitely working. So when you put the items in the basket, you need to go to your basket to see the 10% off. And we have a competition we're running as well, Ryan, right? Via some friends of ours at Touchdown House, and you can find them on Facebook. We've managed to secure two signed Gilbert Brown helmets, two mini helmets. Um, and I think what we're going to do is similar to the recent competition we did with the uh, Sam Barrington and Eamon Green signed pictures. We're going to get them set up for uh, a raffle style competition, and you will have the chance to own some real, some well, some really, really good Packers history. So that's it, guys. Get over to the website, follow the link, go to NFL Europe, get yourself some cash off, and keep your eyes peeled on the Twitter account, Facebook, website, everything to make sure that you're in with a chance to win those Grave Digger helmets. <laughs>